0: You are listening to LEC Online Church, a ministry of Lake Erie Church in Madison, Ohio. We are a multicultural, multi-generational Pentecostal church. For more information, please visit our website at lakeeriechurch.com. Now, we hope you enjoy today's message. Let's stand together. We're going to read in Luke chapter 7, and we're going to begin with verse 11 as we continue our series on where he meets us. As we have said now for the last four weeks, he meets us in those places where we need him most. Where we find our life requiring him. Maybe we don't know where he is. And yet he makes himself visible in ways that allows us to find him. I used the analogy the first week that When I was a boy and I used to play hide and seek with my dad and when he would not let me find him and my mother would intercede she would say let him find you and so he would stick an elbow out or put his foot out there and I would see it and then I would yell I found you but in fact of matter I never found him. He allowed me to find him. And that's what God does. If he didn't want to be found you would never find him but he chooses to make himself visible in ways that allow you to find him in those times when he knows that you need him the most. We've talked about that in a a variety of ways. We have two more of these today and next Sunday in which we're going to talk about him meeting you in the places where you need him the most. Today we're going to talk about meeting him in our sorrow. In our sorrow, beginning with verse 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it. And the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. Would you say those words with me? Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. One more time. Then the... And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Great fear swept the crowd and they praised God saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countrysides. Bow your heads for prayer. Father, I thank you for what you're about to do in this room today. I pray that your word will find its lodging place. Wherever people are today, when they encounter this message, that they will know that the Lord is near and that God is aware of what is going on in their life. And Father, I pray this morning for every soul that has been gripped By sorrow and grief and pray Lord for the the lifting up of their spirit today. Allow the Holy Spirit to touch them where they are. And Father I give you glory and honor for it in the name of Jesus. And everybody says Amen. amen. You may be seated. You know the human heart has never been able to accommodate death. Now we try, think about all the ways that we try. We try with flowers, we try with food, we try with hugs, we try with prayers, we try, we try with worship, we do it with family and friends, and yet we still struggle to, to accommodate death in our heart. I think the reason, one of the reasons for that is that God created us to be Eternal. We were never supposed to die. It was not God's plan in our creation that we were to have to deal with death and dying. Ross Pomeroy says that human beings are the only species fully aware of the inevitability of death. I I spent a great deal of time in my life uh, dealing uh, with death. Uh, In my own personal life, I've, I've dealt with death the death of personal family members and close friends. I, I've dealt with the death of people that i ministered with. And, and I've done a lot. And I, I don't know even to this day that I fully understand what it means to manage the emotions of somebody that you love or someone that you care about uh, passing away. You, you know, I, I think about the fact that if somebody that I love dies quickly. So say someone that I love is killed in a tragic accident, a car accident, or some catastrophe that takes them out quickly. Then you have this feeling that you're cheated, that you never had the chance to say goodbye. You didn't get closure to be able to say the things that you might have wanted to say. But on the other hand, if the loved one has lived and lingered and maybe suffered a great deal, you wonder why God allows people to suffer like that. I mean, if he's not going to heal them, why not just go ahead and take them on to glory? And it's because our hearts are so conflicted about death and dealing uh, with death. I was looking the other day trying to understand a little more about this, and there's a woman who's done a tremendous amount of study in uh, the psychology of hum- the human dimension of dealing with death. And she lists five reasons why death scares us. Five reasons why death scares us. Number one, we're scared of death because we're afraid of be- the, uh, the, afraid of extinction. We're afraid of the idea that we, we're done, we'll be gone, and it's over. That this life, all that we've ever known, is it, over. We're afraid of death because of the anticipated suffering of dying. The pain, the disability of of injury that leads to death. We're afraid of what that might involve. We're also afraid of leaving our loved ones and friends behind. The idea that we will not live any longer with people that we love and care about causes us to be afraid of death. She goes on to say, we're afraid of leaving things unfinished. Things that we wanted to accomplish. Things that we wanted to do. Things that we hope to do in our lifetime. She said, finally, we're afraid that we are not leaving any legacy. In other words, we're afraid that we won't be remembered. We're afraid that people won't remember that we lived or or existed on the earth. And so for that reason, death is a struggle for us. And the Bible says that death is an enemy. It said that Jesus, the last enemy to be conquered was death because we struggle so much with that point. Here's the point that we should be focused on. And that is the fact that because of Calvary, because Jesus went to Calvary, he took The sting of death away. Meaning that death no longer could be held over our heads as a bondage or slavery. But in fact death simply became a passageway from this world to the world that God has prepared for each and every one of us. The power of sin to bring death has been broken at Calvary. Because sin brought death into the world, but Calvary broke the power of sin, the chains of sin. And therefore, as believers, we do not have to be afraid of of death. Now, throughout this series of messages, we have used the metaphor of an intersection. We've talked about Jesus meeting us at the intersections of our life. When we get to a place where we desperately need Him, He's already there. He's in that place. Well, this is another one of those stories, but it's a little nuanced from some of the other stories. Because I don't know, I don't know that you can say that Jesus went looking for this woman. In some of the other stories that we talked about, you had this sense that Jesus was looking for the person that needed him but in this case this woman doesn't necessarily know she's going to meet Jesus nor do I have a sense that Jesus was looking for this woman because here's the way the story goes Jesus is walking through the city of Nain on his way either to Galilee or to Jerusalem now when you look at the geography of the Bible times it's not likely That Jesus would have been going through Nain as a regular passageway from either place. You would not necessarily go through Nain to get to wherever you're going. So there might have been some intentionality. There may have been some purposefulness in Jesus going through the city of Nain. We're not told that. We might assume it. It fits well, and maybe it's important for us to understand that if we are in trouble, that he intentionally finds us in the places of our trouble. We can all thank God for that, that he intentionally finds us and looks for us. He's like the woman in John 4 at the well of Sychar. The Bible said he had need to go through Samaria because he knew there was somebody there who needed him. And it's important for you and I to know that the Lord knows where we are and He knows what we're going through and He understands the circumstances that we're facing and He comes to us because He knows that. I want you to look at this story today a little differently than we might frame other stories like it because I think there's something here that is very, very powerful. If you have your Bible still open, let's go back and look at it verse by verse to be able to follow. Look at verse 12. Verse 12 tells us that the young man who had died was a widow's only son and a large crowd from the village was with her. Now, the key word there is young son. Luke tells us that the boy that has passed away is a young person. Now, it's one thing when a person who has lived a full and long life has passed. It's something else when a young person dies. So we can assume that this death was likely unexpected. They were not expecting this boy to die. This mother was not expecting her son to pass. And she is forced into this terrible ordeal because something has happened that was completely unexpected. You know, life is like that. Life has those moments that force themselves on you, that come to you in unexpected moments, and you have to deal with something that you were never planning to deal with at all. A few months ago, there was a funeral here in our church. It wasn't a funeral of our church people. It was actually someone in the community. And we have a relationship with the local funeral home that if a family has need for a gathering that is too large for the facilities that they have, that our church is open to them. And I've enjoyed that relationship. And, and, and they've had several funerals here, by the way. And, and this particular funeral was the funeral of a young boy young man who had gone out to the west and he had been rock climbing. And, uh, and he in rock climbing, he had taken a fall and died unexpectedly. Maybe you can appreciate the fact of the phone call that came to the parents to say, your son has passed away. There was no expectation that when he left on that trip, A young man still with many years to live goes out on a trip and is is killed in an accident that was not expected. That's exactly what the setting is here. This is a likely unexpected. And it was painful for her to understand that this boy, and notice that the Bible said it is her only son, is killed and is passed away. And therefore it was unexpected. Look at the next one in verse 12. It says... The young man who died was the widow's only son. Now the key word there is the word widow. Which helps me to know this isn't the first time that she's been to the cemetery. She's already been there before. She knows the trip. She knows the path. She's been there before. And by calling her a widow... Luke helps us to know that this woman has been in this place before. For some of you sitting here in this audience, some of you listening to me today, you understand also well the accumulation of grief that comes into your heart when you've had situation after situation, death after death. We've had people in our church who've had multiple deaths in a short period of time, and that accumulation of grief can in fact be very smothering. And it can be very difficult to go through. This woman has already been through this. When her husband died, she probably said something like this. Well, at least I have my son. At least I have my son. This trip, she can't say that. (coughs) She's not able to say that because this is her only son. The, the, The importance of understanding this dilemma she's in is to realize in Jewish culture a woman was dependent on her husband and when he died she went to live with her father's household if he were alive or to an adult son if she had one. If she had a father or son she was fortunate because otherwise widows were entirely without resource and legally subordinate to male relatives. So the fact that she's now a widow has changed the entire scope of her life. The fact that this boy has passed away has now changed the entire landscape of how she's going to live. We don't know. It's not told to us. But decisions will have to be made. Changes in her life have to take place because now that she is a widow... She is completely on her own. You know, maybe that's why the Bible tells us that pure religion and undefiled before the Lord is to take care of widows in their affliction. We have at least 19 widows here in our church. And there are people in our church who have a particular burden and a desire to minister to the widows, business people. There's a businessman in our community who is always asking me, what are we doing for the widows? And we do things. We try to do special things at special occasions to remind our widows that they, in fact, are not alone. Some of you still have children that are helping you, and praise God for that, but there are others who don't. Others who live more isolated than some of you but in this regard James said that pure religion it is our responsibility as a faith community to care for the widows of our church can somebody say Amen? thirdly that her pain caught Jesus's attention look at verse 13 when Jesus saw her his heart overflowed with compassion His heart overflowed when he saw her. The key word there is the word compassion. Something about this woman caught Jesus' attention. Now, again, let's be careful not to make too many assumptions, but how did Jesus even know she was a widow? How did Jesus even know that this was her only son? He probably didn't. If he had no previous relationship or knowledge with this woman, he probably didn't even know the things that you and I know. But there was something about this woman that caught the attention of Jesus. And because of that, the Bible said his heart overflowed with compassion. It reminded me in Hebrews chapter 4 that the writer said, We have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession, for we do not have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly Unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What is that verse saying? It's saying Jesus knows how you feel. Jesus knows how you suffer. He understands the trauma and the stress of life. He understands the challenges. When it says that he is tempted in all points like as we are, it doesn't mean that Jesus has been tempted with every specific thing that you were tempted with. It means that Jesus understands what it's like to be tempted. He understands the pressure of life. He understands the struggle. Sometimes the devil will tell you nobody cares Nobody knows what you're going through, but the devil is a liar because you have a high priest who is touched. He is moved with compassion for the needs of your life. You may feel that there is nobody out there that cares about what you're going through, but you can always know that Jesus is moved with compassion when he sees the needs of his people. The word compassion here means to suffer with to suffer with, it's it's a stronger word than we think it is, isn't it? We we think compassion sometimes is to say, oh, bless your heart, Charles, God bless you. That's compassion. No, no, compassion means I carry the burden with you. I share the struggle with you. I walk alongside with you. I'm there with you in that moment. You are not alone. Take, let me take part of the load for you. Let me deal with the pain, some of the pain that you're feeling myself. He had compassion. I also took notice of the fact that the writer Luke said, Jesus saw her. He saw her. And it would almost lead me to say that he did more than just look at her. Have you ever been just, ever passed somebody and you're just looking at them and you just move on? But then there are times when you see somebody and you're drawn to that person for some reason or another. That's the implication here. That Jesus saw her, not just visually, but he saw her. He saw where she was. He understood on some level the load that she was carrying. He saw her. You see, I I don't I don't want anybody to misunderstand. I'm more than willing to pray with any person who needs prayer. And sometimes you say, I just need my pastor to pray for me. I'm there for that. I'm there for that. But can I just tell you, you don't need me to pray for you as much as you need Jesus to see you. Because when he sees you, when he sees you in the condition that you're in, when he takes notice of what's going on in your life, that's when help comes. There's no power in me. There's no power in who I am, but there is power in the one who sees you and knows where you are. But there's more. He said that when he saw her, he was moved with compassion. It means there's something that ignites within him. There's something that stirs him up. There's something that is powerful that happens inside of him when he saw this woman and her need. Let's keep going. Verse 14. Verse 14 says, Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it. And then the next four words, don't miss those four, and the bearers stopped. I guess they did. This strange guy walks up and grabs a hold of the coffin you're carrying, you're gonna stop. His approach to her was non-conventional. Now, again, in Jewish law, it was against the law for a Jew to touch anything that was dead. They were not allowed to touch dead things. Jesus said one time to the critics who criticized his way of ministry, He said, I did not come to oppose the law, but to fulfill it. I'm not here to keep it. I'm here to fulfill it. I'm not beholden to the law. The law says I can't touch, but I'm moved with compassion and I'm going to touch that coffin. And when he did, the bearers holding that coffin stopped. And then notice what happens. Jesus speaks to a dead man and says, young man, sit up. Young man, get up. And the Bible says that the dead boy got up. Now, the point I want you to understand is that when Jesus reaches out to touch this coffin, he's sending a signal to all of us that there is no hurdle that prevents Jesus from getting to you when he needs to. Isn't there a rule against that? Jesus would like, what, what difference does the rule make? He's not being belligerent. He's not being sensitive, but he is more driven by his motivation to help you than he is to keep the rule. Pastor Dustin and I are writing this book that we hope to have ready by Thanksgiving. And on the back of that book, we were trying to pick something that we should, would be a, 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 you know, a buzzword, a takeaway. And we locked in on this phrase. Jesus is more interested in a relationship with you than he is in keeping the rules. He's more interested in his relationship with you than in keeping the rules. Nor does he want you and he to have a rule-keeping relationship. He wants there to be a free flow of the kind of compassion that moves and motivates us to be the people of God in a world that needs to know Jesus Christ. Where does your compassion move you this morning? When you feel compassion for the needs of people, how are you motivated to respond to the compassion that you feel? I've been sick all week. I've, you know what I did? I went to the doctor and they talked me into a flu shot. And guess what? I got the flu. And When somebody here in the church recently heard that I was sick, they reached out and said, hey. And they brought, they brought some stuff to the house. Food and blessings and flowers. Now, flowers are not that much for me. I'm pretty sure those flowers were not for me. But the, they were the expression of compassion. Compassion for what someone was going through. Compassion for what someone was feeling. And the idea that our compassion moves us in a non-conventional way to do something in the situation that we find ourselves dealing with. Jesus got over where she was and he touched the coffin and the Bible said the dead boy sat up and began to talk. Let's just sit there a second. The dead boy sat up and began to talk. You ever been to a funeral like that? <laughs> That's going to be an interesting funeral. Went to a funeral today, day. Preacher walked up, touched the coffin. The dead boy got up started talking. When Jesus touched that coffin. And said to that boy. Little boy, young boy. Sit up. The boy that was dead heard the voice of his creator and he sat up and started talking. wonder what he said. Mama, what am I doing in this box? Clearly this was an open casket. He sat up and began to talk. What a miracle. What a miracle had taken place. He sat up and began to talk. Let me finish. Someone get ready to play. Only three times in the ministry of Jesus. Just three times. Did Jesus ever encounter a dead person and raise them up? Just three times. There were three. The first one is found in the book of Of John chapter 5. When Jesus said to his friend Lazarus. Lazarus come forth. And the Bible said the man that was bound. Came forth. And Jesus said cut him loose and let him go. In Mark chapter 5. We've already talked about Jairus' little girl. Jesus walked into the room where this little girl was. And said little girl I say to you get up. And the Bible said the little girl woke up. And Jesus said feed her and give her something to eat. And then here in Luke 7, Jesus said to this boy, Young man, I say to you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. Why did I mention that to you this morning? Because I want somebody in this room to understand this morning that we serve a God who still does amazing things. You hear what I'm saying? We serve a God who still does amazing things. And for some of you sitting here today, it may not be that you need God to raise up a dead child. Some of you need God to raise up and resurrect your dreams your desires, your passion, your love for God, your love for others. You need God to restore what the enemy has taken away. We believe in a God who still does amazing things. If we do, then this God can take things that are dead and bring them back to life again. Somebody say amen. And if we do, This God can take things that are broken and make them new again. If we believe in a God who still does amazing things, if we do believe that, this God can find things that are lost and restore them. And then Luke concludes this story, Steve Atkinson, Erickson, Steve Erickson, He he finishes this story with my favorite words in the story. Then Jesus gave the boy back to his mother. Jesus gave the boy back to his mother. Sometimes when I'm reading the Bible, I ask myself this question. Who is the focal point of this story? Like in Luke chapter 15 when Jesus told the story about the prodigal son. The story's not about the son, even though everybody thinks it's about the son. It's even called the parable of the prodigal son. No, it's not. It's the story about the father who would do anything to get his son back. That's what that story's about. This story is not actually about the boy being raised from the dead, even though that is such a dramatic miracle. This is a story about a mother who got her son back. A mother who got her son back. Maybe you're a father or a mother sitting here today and you need your children back. Maybe you've lost a relationship that you need to get back. That's what this is about. It's about a God who meets us in the, in the places when we need Him the most. When we've done everything we know to do and we've said everything we know to say and we've tried everything that we can and we still can't get it back. That's when He sees us and is motivated to say, I'm giving you back what was lost. Now before we pray, just would you just listen to what I'm saying here for a moment she got up that morning dressed herself in what she felt was the appropriate attire for a funeral she probably stopped several times and wept she thought about how her life was now changed she may have wondered where am I going to move to How am I going to pay my bills? What am I going to be able to do? She passed by his room on the way out the door. And she thought about how life would never be the way that it had been before. And she wept again. She put on a smile. She moved out among her family. They hugged her. They loved on her. They spoke words of encouragement. Then it was time to go. They start making their way to the cemetery, but she doesn't remember much about that trip. Maybe her head is down, but her mind is filled, and there's so many things going on because she doesn't know what she's going to do. She doesn't know how she's going to live tomorrow. She's got more questions than answers. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden he shows up moved with compassion he says to the boy get up boy I'm telling you sit up and the boy sat up and began to talk and he took that boy and he handed that boy back to his mother I believe in a God who still does amazing things We hope you were blessed by today's message. Now we invite you to visit one of our services soon. For more information, please visit us at LakeErieChurch.com.